Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Everyone, my guest today is something of a national treasure of the ultra trail running world and is almost as famous for their tea drinking abilities, which they're actually doing now, <laughs> as they are for their astonishing feats of endurance. They've represented Britain at the Trail World Championships, competed in some of the world's toughest races from the Saharan Desert to Mont Blanc, have set seven, I think, fastest known times and have a healthy or perhaps unhealthy, depending on how you look at it, relationship with the United Kingdom's Pennine Way. You're also a highly respected writer and are at the forefront of advocacy for awareness and action regarding running's ecological footprint. Um, and before I take too many of their incredible stories away from them, I'll now invite them to introduce themselves. Oh, blimey. Thank you. Were you really talking about me? Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's not that's not a person I recognise. Um, thank you, thank you very much. That was very kind. What was I meant to do? Introduce myself? Yeah, who are you? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> if you hadn't said all that, I suppose I would just normally say I'm a, I don't know, a mid to late forties um, midlife crisis uh, ultra marathon runner and parent um, and a recovering journalist. Um, yeah, with a yeah, something of a tea and running problem, really, and, and Pennine Way problem, as you pointed out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So in case you didn't know, we're talking to Damien Hall today. <laughs> oh, you're my name, yes. Who <laughs> <laughs> is drinking some tea. Um, has a, I, I don't know, has the hair had a bit of a clip since the tour? It's, uh, <laughs> it's been yes. a bit shorter. <laughs> yes, I don't have uh, a lot of hair to play with anymore. So, yeah, it needs to be cut every couple of weeks or um, or it looks really stupid. Well... <laughs> It looks really stupid when it gets cut, but it looks really stupid anyway when it doesn't get cut. So it's sort of, yeah, between a rock and a hard place there. But yeah, a little trim. Yeah. I just also, Damien, can I get you to describe what, what the thing on the wall behind you is that looks like it looks like it could be hand solo. In the <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Yes, this is what it is. <laughs> it's 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 a frozen John Kelly. Uh you know, it's um it's actually a, a, a prize i got for winning a race in the lake district and it's a it's a it's a map it's a 3d map of the lake district um uh from lakeland trails um yeah it's quite nice quite like it but yeah it is a bit strange to look at probably isn't it because it's all kind of silvery gray um but yeah it's nice to get that 3d thing on your wall and see the see the lumps see the lumps <laughs> and the lumps i hope you're going to be talking about um because 
you're an exceptionally talented and celebrated figure, no matter what you what you say in terms of introducing yourself. And it's actually probably because of that that I feel more comfortable being able to also discuss failure with you today and how it's maybe one of the hardest, but also possibly um, one of the most valuable things that we can encounter on our sometimes literally lumpy, bumpy journeys through life. Um, firstly, though, um, I'd just like to give you the opportunity to tell the Damien Hall origin story. Um, and I know that other interviews have gone into this, so feel free to give the sort of embellished, road less travelled, um, planet far, far away kind of version of it, as you'd like to, as you'd like to do. <laughs> um, blimey, what the sort of how I got into running stuff? Yeah. Um. Um. um yeah, so I realised it's it's almost exactly sort of um, ten years ago since my first ultra marathon. I'm um, I'm forty six now, so yeah, it must have been thirty six. Um, year before that, I'd done my first half marathon, uh, the Bath Half, and just really loved it, and was instantly curious about you know going longer. So yeah, ten years ago, I was doing my first marathon um, dressed as a toilet, um, and yeah, I just like a lot of people, probably a lot of listeners just got the running bug really quickly of like, wow, how can, you know, how can something so simple uh, be so kind of uh, almost addictive, like give you so many good feelings. And I was really surprised by like, I've never really been unfit. Like I've always enjoyed hiking and, and playing football and, and being a bit sporty, although it was never, never any good at any of that um, sport anyway. Um um so it's not it's not like I was unfit and I got the fitness benefits so much but it actually it was more the mental the mental you know the the sort of meditative nature that the the happy you know the runner's high that side side of things that that regular training gave me that I was um yeah I, I was quite yeah thrilled at finding and and quite addicted to um but but then yeah also very curious about distance and, and trying to go further um, and at the same time, I suppose reading, yeah, reading in magazines or online about you know hundred mile races and really getting carried away there. Um, so yeah, I did my first ultra marathon. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, you know, more so than the road marathon. I thought kind of this is for me. Like it was in the hills. You know, it was in green places. Um, and yeah, I just had this partly an insatiable appetite to, to to see how far I could go. But also, if I'm honest, like yeah, I was a freelance journalist. And I had to keep coming up with stories to get, you know, to to get paid, to you know, to, to sort of pay the rent. Um, and of course, a magazine—they're not so interested. Once you've done a hundred-kilometer race, they're not that interested in you doing a fifty-kilometer race because there's not much jeopardy to the story. So, I did a hundred k—that was my second race. Hundred miles, my third race, and then I was pretty much, in, you know, doing the spine race, um, <laughs> which, for those who don't know, is sort of two hundred sixty miles on the Penang Way in winter. That was like my fifth race um so that's jumping up a bit quicker than some people might although not everyone not everyone um but part of that was yeah that insatiable appetite for it and and some of it was simply the work thing that that you know <laughs> uh the next story had to be bigger and um so yeah that was a big yeah all of those were big moments really and just always confirmed oh I love this stuff it's um it's it's for me you know more than probably more than I felt with football or even or even sort of um maybe hiking and mountaineering more so than that as well it's a wonderful combination it felt like hiking it is closer to the hiking than the than the sport actually i loved the idea of just being out for lots of hours in you know in hills or mountains uh, and maybe lots of days you know um 
being a bit self-reliant you know having some kit I quite like that and um yeah I just realized you could do all these events all around the world um like that and, and that, that, that they hurt but they felt fantastic when you finish um really um yeah it's really quite an addictive and brilliant thing to find so actually as well as the the kind of the movement and the runner's high that you're getting it was immediately kind of it was a case of jumping up the distances because of the the other elements of challenge and and being in nature is what I'm hearing that kind of attracted you specifically to the kind of the ultra trail distance aspect of things. Yeah, yeah, the nature thing interested me a lot because um, early on I felt almost a bit of guilt. So when you're well, obviously when you're hiking, you're going maybe half the speed and you go half the distance, but you you might pause and you know smell the flowers and you know um, listen to the birds. Um, but actually what I realized when I was out running was I was much more likely to be, you know, I saw more sunrises because I'd run through the night. Um, I saw more sunsets, uh, a lot more emotions, you know, because I, I ultimately because you're tired and, you know, low on calories probably, but a lot <laughs> more emotions, uh, happening as well. Um, so that was all very interesting and I was exploring new places and, you know, a few years later I was running. I guess the longest run I've ever done is, you know, the Southwest Coast Path, which is, you know, 630 miles. So you're talking sort of 11 days. Um, obviously, there's some sleep involved. But, um, you know, realising, well, that takes a lot of people like six weeks to walk. Uh, and by this time, I had, you know, young children. So it was like, well, I can't. All right, you can walk it over time, of course, and that's a fantastic thing to do. But I, I wasn't going to take six weeks and hike it uh, away from my kids, whereas I could take less than two weeks and run it. Uh, and, yeah, you're you're going through some of those places at dark and, and and you could say you know i've certainly had walkers say to me you're not stopping to enjoy it but you really are you you you're really entwined with the, the landscape and the, and the weather um and the time of day and and yeah i think more emotions happen when you're running for, for, for various reasons so yeah it was definitely part of that um that and and yeah i've explored more more parts of Britain than I might otherwise from from just walking and trekking and, and more parts of the world as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's nature, it's exploration, it's personal exploration, it's um, a whole load of things. So, so my mind's kind of exploding with lots of things from that, actually, but I was really interested in what you're saying about that it makes you more in tune with your emotions. Because I think, particularly for the men, not to stereotype, but getting into kind of endurance or sort of like strength challenges, it it's kind of that there's that perception of it being kind of like grit your teeth and get through and don't feel anything kind of thing. And actually what you're saying is sort of the, the opposite, actually, that you're really kind of opening yourself and making yourself vulnerable, which is something that we hadn't really kind of thought about. Actually. Oh, yeah, massively. Um, I mean, yeah, I cried on, I've cried on several of these things. Um, and in fact, on the Southwest Coast Path, I, I found something, I developed something called the Power Sob. Uh, wasn't every single day but but um towards the end or, or at least the sort of middle often the toughest time in any of these is sort of after halfway actually like when you're near the end you can see you can think of the end and, and but the just after halfway when you've already done a lot but you're only halfway still a long way to go um yeah there were two or three mornings where pretty much as a routine it was about nine or ten in the morning I would have a power sob uh you know it was down to extreme you know exhaustion and and wanting to see my kids and feeling guilty and things like that but but also, yeah, I don't know, it was everything. Uh, maybe even hopelessness of whether it would ever finish, you know, loads of things. And I, But I'd have this short, you know, 10 seconds of wailing and then I'd feel fantastic. Um, 
so and I looked it up afterwards and it, crying does release like a painkiller a natural painkiller so um it's a genuine <laughs> genuinely useful tactic um both physiologically and, and and mentally um and yeah yeah I've cried on some of these other things and and you, yeah you really you do make yourself vulnerable I mean what's amazing is you can have I used to fantasize about I really enjoy like um Antar the literature from like the um heroic age of Antarctic exploration you know sort of Captain Scott and so on um and it made me think I want to cross Antarctica someday, you know, as a hike. Um, but when I became, a, and, and mountaineering as well used to appeal a lot, and I've done a little bit of that. But when I became a parent, some of that seemed a bit reckless. And I'm not judging anyone else, but for me, it seemed a bit, you know, is it really fair to risk my children's sort of future? Um, whereas these ultra marathons, you can have a real adventure that's a lot of the time actually pretty safe because there's a, you know, you've got a tracker on you. There's a support network around you. Um, but you can still have a real adventure, even in Britain, you know, even only a few miles from home. Um, and that's really appealing as well. So like, you know, roughly three times a year, I can have a genuine adventure, even if it's doing the same event like the spine. It's still, you know, I'll, I'll get all the emotions, you know, um, and that's, you know, that's a pretty cool thing to discover, really. Um, yeah, I've forgotten what your question was, but hopefully I've half answered it there. <laughs> well, kind of the, the paradox of, of, of things seeming that you have to be tough to be tough, and actually it's it's tough to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what yeah, I mean, often you've got to... One of the big things you learn is, is things won't go smoothly, you know, um, depending on the distance and so on. But the longer it's going, the more things just won't go as you anticipated or planned. Um and how much you plan is, is a fascinating thing as well, which I find, and now I'm a coach of people, I find it intriguing, the different mindsets that I, of, of my athletes um, and the different mindsets that work for different people. And some people really want to know, you know, they really want to know all the details. They really want a strict, detailed plan. And some people could be the total opposite. I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I'm more towards the, the less detailed, less planned side of things and, and sort of whatever's going to happen is going to happen um i mean that's not quite the right phrase but but like i suppose trying to just let things happen and not be too controlling of them and um that's part of the adventure and i think you got yeah i mean the race i've just done yeah not you know a lot of it went smoothly and then near the end something went very unsmoothly and that was very frustrating at the time but now i'm just like embracing it because it was a great adventure and and you know i still loved most of it and it was still you know yeah a brilliant adventure so um yeah I think that's um in would you if you were saying to people something that they can get out of this kind of thing do you think more people need to challenge themselves and get out of their comfort zone in life yeah that's a, it's a good question i um i think um summit fever media made a film of of the spine race um uh, the second time i did it what 2015 i think and um i am in there near the end i think i'd had a pint or two and uh which which was a lot after you know four or five nights of no sleep um and i am in the films that were saying everyone should go and jump in a peat bog uh you know um and that would be good for them um and yeah but i think i, I do i do mostly believe that um i mean even sort of kipchoge talks about he, you know he on twitter a year or two ago he kind of said if everyone went running you know there'd be fewer problems in the world i mean that might be a bit a bit sort of hippie and a bit utopian but um i, I kind of believe it too <laughs> um so, i mean running and, and adventure they're kind of the, they could be different things they could be the same thing um and yeah it does depend i mean maybe that's from a, a you know a privileged western 
viewpoint you know uh some people have a lot of a lot more challenging lives for a lot of us or for me my life you know it can be fairly safe and predictable um and therefore i think there's a primal element to us that that needs a bit of um what's the word yeah to feel some of those emotions to feel a bit scared or a bit fearful or a bit um euphoric or you know and and that fills a gap for me um i can't really well I, part of me wants to say yes everyone should part of me is a bit hesitant i suppose but but um yeah i get a lot from it and, and a lot of other people do i suppose and has your relationship you, you were talking about the fact that maybe plans for going and doing some of the more like downright sort of dangerous things have kind of have lessened um through having children um and has your as if you're not old at all, but as you've got older, has your relationship with running itself changed over the past years and you doing these amazing things? Um, but how, how do you feel about the sport and, and the practice of it now? Um, I don't know if it has changed. I mean, what I, I guess, if I'm honest, if you're talking about age, I'll be 47 later this year. Um, I guess what springs to mind is, you know, I'm I'm only going to get less competitive from here. So, you know, yeah, I, I have my one GB vest from, from what was that, 2016. You know, it's a while ago now. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get another one. Uh, I'm not quite as fast as I was in training. Um, I guess that's more what I think of, if I'm totally honest, more, you know, um, I don't think, yeah, I was always a parent when I've been a runner and, and, and yeah, you can have mishaps and, and, you know, I have, I have fallen on rocks and stuff and, and, you know, cut myself quite badly and, 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 and done little odds and ends here and there, but large, largely, I think it's a pretty safe, um, a pretty safe thing. Um, but also, yeah, I've, I've been fascinated to hear Killian Journey and, and his partner, Emily Forsberg talk about this, you know, they were two of the, well, they still are, still two are, you know, two of the, the greatest ultra runners in the, in the world and, and they've become parents in the last few years. And, um I've been fascinated to hear them in interviews actually talk about this and they're, they're both of a similar opinion that sort of like well firstly I mean to me cities are more <laughs> more dangerous usually than hills yeah. um you know you've got lots of cars bombing around you've got maybe people drinking people frustrated with their work um you, you, well yeah back to, you know to me cars are you know it's quite you know I've got various cycling friends who you know the worst that, that, you know they've been hit by a car and that's been um terrible um um so there's you know there are things all around us in a way so i, I don't necessarily see yeah running in the hills even if it's on your own if, if you're doing roughly appropriate things to your sort of experience level and, and with safety precautions um which are quite easy to have now with technology um i don't really see that as a as a, as a thing but also i think it's important to yeah, inspire inspire children and show show love of the outdoors. I honestly, for me, the most important thing I think I can bring to my kids is, you know, other than other than sort of love and kindness, is is um an appreciation of the outdoors to to show you know what um how much it can give us and and how much we need to protect it. I suppose and um yeah, that honestly feels like my almost number one thing as a parent to 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 pass on. Yeah, I think I think that's super cool, and I think it's something that, especially the past few years that we've had with various lockdowns and the access to green space and things, like I think it's something that we're all as a as a society hopefully kind of appreciating that 
well, you, you mentioned the word earlier, um, the freedom of, <laughs> of running in those places. So yeah, I think that's, that's an incredible lesson to, to bring to, to young people and that appreciation. Um, and just in past, in terms of the past year, you've had quite a roller coaster in terms of the kinds of ups and downs um, of being a competitive athlete um, and actually then having to encounter a few DNFs as well. So did, did not finish um, for those that don't know. Um, but you've also written quite openly about this um, on Instagram, which I've really enjoyed um, reading. Um, and I just wanted wondered if you'd be happy to kind of talk about those three experiences and kind of your feelings around them um, and perhaps things that you've taken away or learned in each case, if anything, <laughs> other than like howling into the night. Or <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, this year has been or even this past kind of, um, yeah, 13, 14 months have been pretty frustrating from a sort of competitive level of, of ultra running. Um, yeah, my first DNF at UTMB last year, which was after kind of, yeah, nine years, and I think it was 49 or 48 ultra marathons. I, I was quite, yeah, I was quite proud of, of having finished every single one, yeah. um, including, you know, a couple of spine races and, and Dragon's Back race and, yeah, all, yeah, nothing, nothing had ever stopped me, kind of thing. Um, and it was weird how easy it was, actually. How and, um, my mind was just not interested in carrying on. I didn't have a physical injury. Yeah, I had two or three issues that you'd normally get in a hundred mile race. But it was quite surprising how easily I was just like, no, don't want to go on. Really, don't want to go on. Um, I mean, undercutting some of that would be, yeah, I was simply depleted like I wasn't getting enough there weren't enough calories going to my brain to 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 think you know to think well to think optimally um which is a you know a fairly basic sort of well a basic error but a very easy one to to make um and then my second the second one was at the spine race in January yeah that first one still frustrates me a lot um the second one in January was you know um maybe less interesting because it was a physical um a physical thing I was really concerned about so and it was <laughs> and, the, and the, the circumstances were totally opposite whereas I was winning the spine race by four hours mm -hmm. which you know is the sort of thing is you know may never happen to me again um and it was even glorious weather although it was January you know it was a beautiful sunny afternoon um so everything was going my way apart from I had this yeah this groin issue that was just getting more and more painful every time I go over a style it was um yeah really sharp pain despite having been given some strong strong painkillers by the medics it was getting worse despite yeah stronger painkillers um and I just couldn't imagine it being sensible I had about another 24 hours ahead of me um it just didn't seem smart to, to carry on um and then yeah it was quite kind of reassuring that yeah two medics saw me afterwards and were yeah, yeah, they found quite a lump and they were talking about hernias and they phoned that, you know, they were phoning their supervisor and stuff and giving me advice on hernias. And um, so they were relatively concerned. If they'd have sort of said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, that would have been quite, um, you know, quite a, yeah, very, very disappointing um, and frustrating. And, and I'd maybe connect the two DNFs more strongly in that, hey, I've done one DNF, is it becoming a habit? Um I don't know. I mean, now, even now, though, you still think, well, I could have just hiked the rest of it and maybe that wouldn't have aggravated things. But, you know, I've done the I've run the Panama fully three times. 
I wasn't really there just to run the pen away. I was there to, you know, win really. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't want to get an injury that would put me out for months. So I'm much more okay with that one. Um, and then, and then, and then it, it, you mentioned a third, I suppose that was, I, I was going for the Pen Amway record again in May. Um, I mean, with that one, if the record was unrealistic, I was always going to stop. But again, there was no point in, for me, to simply run another 40 or 50 miles um, on the Pen Amway when I can do that. I know I can do that. I've done it several times. Again, I would be, you know, sort of digging myself a deeper hole to recover from. So with that one, I was always planning to stop if the record didn't look did you know looked unrealistic um and that was but that was frustrating for those who don't know yeah i used to have a record then um that t dodging rascal john kelly took it off me i mean i'd taken it off him before so it's a bit of tennis going on um and i was yeah i was doing quite well for a lot of it but um yeah the weather there was a strong wind sort of coming at me for some parts I don't know now if I'm being totally honest you know how much you know how much of a factor that was um it was it was significant but you know it's difficult to know whether even without that whether I would have done it or not um I was doing quite well but maybe not well enough um but yeah and I didn't mind like I'm, I was disappointed that things didn't go better but I didn't mind stopping early um there was no point to just shuffle you know, shuffle on for another 10 or 12 hours. Um, but yeah, maybe in the past, or certainly when it's a new challenge uh, in the past, I, you know, I, I, I would have. That, I think that's the difference. If it's a new challenge, a new race, a new, a new route, then you're, then you're really keen. You're much keener, much more curious to get to the end. But I, yeah, I didn't, you know, I, I'd run, I'd run that before. Um, and I'm back again in January to do this final race. So, um, <laughs> Well, I don't know. How many times will that be nothing? <laughs> so uh, I've run the Penumway like three times completely, but then two other times I've run about sort of two thirds of it, and then I've hiked it as well because uh, I did a I did a guidebook for it years ago. Um, so I guess that's four four complete ones, and then yeah, some other bits I've been on two more times. Um, um, so there was part of me realised when I DNF'd at UTMB that like um, I was maybe making a mistake of simply doing the same things too many times so utmb that was my fifth utmb um plus a recce so i was getting way too familiar with it maybe and, and similar on the pen way but there's still part of me can't so there's part of me saying i shouldn't be going back to the spine in january but there's part of me it's just so exciting when you do it in and and it's just the best thing you can do in winter in britain i think uh for a runner um you know there's not much else on obvious reasons but it's just it's really exciting so we'll see in january if it was the the right decision or not so is the is the summary of the things that we've learned from these dnfs that we're going to do the spine again <laughs> <laughs> don't do the same things unless you're going to do the same things yeah i don't know i don't know what what have i learned i yeah um well <laughs> i think number one is a dnf isn't the end of the world like uh by any means um i'm you know afterwards i tried to think of the elite athletes I knew who had never DNF'd and I think I could only think of two and it's in one of them has DNF'd since that and and uh the other one very nearly DNF'd at the tour um but didn't uh Sophie, Sophie Grant so she yeah she's absolutely nails I, she's never DNF'd um but yeah it's very you know my, my record on DNF stands up to pretty much anyone's except Sophie's um so 
um, yeah, there, there is that sort of DNF or die mentality, which I don't think is is super healthy. Um, I mean, the first time I did the spine, there was a good runner there who rolled their ankle on the first day and they still hobbled. They got all the way to Kurt Yetom and then they were pretty much injured for two years. I mean, to me, that's not a sensible thing to do. Obviously, they probably didn't realise it was that bad. But yeah, uh, you know, and sometimes sometimes drop out and save yourself for another day. And, and if there are going to be health issues, I mean, it's not... It's not, yeah, I don't think the DNF or DNF or die attitude is, is super healthy, um, really. Um, so my number one thing was that, yeah, it wasn't the end of the world to DNF. Um, and the number two thing is, I suppose, yeah, make sure you're invested enough. Make sure you're excited enough about what you're doing. I thought I was for UTMB, but when it came down to it, I, I wasn't as excited as I thought, I think. Um, yeah. These valuable learnings. And I think also because particularly with the Pennine Way, um, it kind of brings me on to the fact that you're kind of a, sort of near the epicenter of sort of a very close-knit community of trail runners and these big efforts uh, are never just the sum of one person doing something. Um, I know that you, you tirelessly kind of celebrate um, people that support you and you go and support others as well in both triumphs and kind of lower moments as well. And I guess also part of, you know, kind of DNFing at a sort of a fastest known time attempt as well. Some people might feel like there's a pressure from like the people helping to kind of an unspoken one that, oh, well, they've turned up. So I need to, <laughs> I need to finish it. But also kind of reflecting on that, I guess there's also trusting that people are there because they want to help you and be there for you rather than just to get the thing done. And I was wondering kind of what, what does community mean to you and what community have you, have you found? through running oh um yeah I, I sort of go over this a bit in um in my book in it for the long run I, I just yeah I'm just blown away by discovering this community which is just so I'm trying to think of something original to say about it really but it's just so so positive um I don't think I've really met anyone on the hill who you know I haven't really liked um you know I suppose for ultra running you've got to be a certain kind of mindset of um ultra and fell running maybe there's a certain mindset where you're just not going to be you know you're just not going to enjoy it and stick with it if, if you're not a certain mindset but yeah i mean just almost everyone i've met has been just wonderful super helpful um yeah i've certainly been the recipient of a lot more help than i've given back uh so far um but but uh, yeah i'm trying to trying to make amends i did i've helped a couple of rounds this year and and it's um Actually, about at least three, actually. But it's it's hugely rewarding to help as well. That's what I think when you're in the centre of it, it's harder for you to judge. You feel this sort of guilt that everyone's come out to help you and it's not going that well. Um, whereas often it's it's hugely rewarding, yeah, to, to, to help someone. And, and especially if you're getting a run in as well. You know, <laughs> I, it's, it's, the, it's the people, it's the crew at the road crossings who, who are the real heroes because they're not, you know, they're often not even getting a run in. They're, they're you know driving to some um, godforsaken little car park for 3 a.m. And, and trying to get all this food ready that you said you'd want and then you get there and you say you don't want it uh, and you may even forget to say thanks. And, you know, um, they're, they're really the incredible people. And, and again, in my book, like, I interviewed two or three people who do that almost almost as a sort of semi, you know, semi-permanent hobby. Like, um, I think, uh, I, have to, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but Jess and um, Andrea, they were absolutely amazing. I think even in their honeymoon, they supported 
um, you know, supporting a friend um, just at the road crossings, you know, as part of the honeymoon, um, which is just incredible. Um, and they bought a van, you know, they bought a new van on the premise of, oh, this van will be good for crewing. Like, you know, they, um, <laughs> they you know, there are, there are a few people around like that who, who just love being a part of it. And um, yeah, it, it is wonderful. It is wonderful. Um, yeah, feel very lucky to have sort of discovered it. And and again, yeah, I mean, John Kelly writes well about it in his blog. Like he sort of came over here from a different, you know, running culture. Um, and America, of course, has its has, has its has great things about the, the running culture there. But yeah, he was. If you read his blogs, um, he was very blown away by the um, well, the help that that people here will offer, uh, and especially if someone's trying to do something big or seemingly impossible, and there's probably even more people ready to sort of, you know, just jump jump in at a moment's notice. And it's been a, one little thing is like when you're trying to arrange a team of like twenty or thirty people, nearly always someone's going to drop out at the last minute or or turn up, you know, realize they can't get there on time. Um, and I don't know, in my experience, every time, you know, something has happened to fill that gap, whether it's a mysterious person just getting in touch or someone being able to do a bit extra or, you know, those sorts of things. It is, it is incredible. Um, yeah, difficult, difficult to say something that fresh on it, to be honest, but it's, it's just, it's wonderful. No, it's, it's just nice. It's nice to hear. Has there been any kind of, per personally, any standout moment that you think epitomizes that? that friendship and goodwill amongst the trail running community? Um, I mean, what's quite cool is when I suppose when people help each other, when they're even going for going for their own records type thing, that's, yeah. that's pretty incredible. Um, don't think, I'm trying to think if I've been directly involved in that way. Not exactly. But yeah, I mean, certainly people have phoned me up who are going for my records and, um, you know, um, I'll, I'll give them the information they need. Um, and then send and them the And we've certainly seen, yeah, especially with the Wayne Wainwrights, we've certainly seen, you know, the, the current holder turn out to sort of um, help help someone going for their record. Um, I mean, it, some of it's geographical, like, it, like I don't live near the Lake District. It's, it's, I can't get there in a drop of a hat, whereas a lot of the Wainwright holders are actually have been up in the Lake District um, a little bit easier in a way. But, um, yeah, that kind of thing is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I've just been on the end. I've been lucky to be on the helping end. Of, sorry, on the end of, of, of a lot of help of people. Um, well, I suppose, what, yeah, if I can name check. Yeah, Nikki, Nikki Ligo is, is amazing. She's helped me on both my Pen and Way runs and my Coast to Coast run and John Kelly on, on two or three of his things. Um, and, you know, she's a mother of three and a... And a doctor and you know it's not as if her life is um not busy um and she's you know amazing at, at this stuff so proactive um yeah and and i know and she's one of those people that when you try and give them something as a thanks like you know it's hard for them you know to get them to accept it um so yeah she she's she's incredible as are as are many others and I guess your friendship with John is quite interesting in the sense that it's also a competitive relationship. And I'm, I write in thinking you also have the same coach as well, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and is there, do you think there's a lesson there in terms of how friends can be competitive but also kind of push each other to be the best that they can be through that competition? And how does that actually work in, in practice? <laughs> Yeah, it's intriguing. Um, 
I mean, I don't see John much anymore because he's he's gone back over the over the pond. Um, but for a while, he was over in the yeah. I'm in Wiltshire, and he was in Somerset. Um, uh, and we didn't actually a lot of that time was lockdown actually, so we didn't we haven't actually hung out as much as we could have. Um, but we got to the Brecon Beacons once together, and and I've supported on him on a couple of his um, grand rounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it adds, it, it adds a complication. It's kind of easier if you're going for someone's record. I'm trying to, I, this probably isn't the case that's ever happened, but in a way it's easier if you're going for someone's record who you either don't know or, you know, better still, you you know, you can think of some reason not to like them, you know, because then you're sort of up against the baddie, you know, you're the goodie against the baddie. And when that person is, you know, someone you admire or, or consider a friend, in a way it's more difficult because, you know, you sort of want to beat them and then you sort of, you know, you might feel bad about beating them. Um, I certainly felt pretty guilty when I beat John's record on the Pan Am Way, and he'd only the record had stood for thirty years. He had broken it, and eight days later, I broke that record. And yeah, I felt a bit uncomfortable about that. I mean, he always knew, and in fact, for a long time, I was going to go before him. Um, he always knew I was going to come along soon afterwards, but obviously, we didn't know what would happen. Um, but that felt, yeah, I felt really guilty about that actually. But then he had the last laugh because he used that sort of frustration to um yeah to come back and beat me again so yeah yeah it adds it adds an interesting element that's all I'll say <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there with <laughs> John doesn't drink tea does he we don't like John <laughs> no no he, he thinks tea is something um iced and sweet uh he's very badly mistaken there we go. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about community, um, which is sort of at the forefront of the initiative that you've launched um, or co-launched, the the Green Runners. Um, can you just explain a bit about what this is? Um, I'm a member of my myself, but for oh, yeah. um, what its mission is and and why the emphasis is really on collective action. Oh yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah, there were several of us for quite a while actually. Um, Started with me and, and and Dan and Charlotte from Rerun Clothing, um, who, if people don't know, please please look them up. They've they've really sounded the alarm in the sort of running world. They're um, about about climate breakdown and how. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put the two together. You know, you saw the polar bears uh, struggling, but you couldn't really relate that. I I didn't think to to our lives uh, to it or, or to our running. They've really sort of linked the two with highlighting all the waste in our in our clothing and, and shoes um especially free t-shirts at, at, at running races um and yeah we, we were just chatting and, and we started a whatsapp group and gradually i was sort of um, recruiting people who um either friends or just people i noticed seemed to care about that stuff and uh, from that um yeah the green runners grew um which i think we launched in um i can't remember april may um maybe even march um uh and we got yeah we got four pillars i mean there were, yeah there are there are scientists and sustainability professionals in there um and i guess i was doing my own research for my new book as well um so we got four pillars basically you know it's, it's sort of and three of them pertain to what will be the biggest elements of an individual runner's footprint which is your kit um your fueling and your your travel um and quite often most cases travel will probably be the biggest thing depending on flights or how far you're traveling or how many people are in a car etc but yeah it was just to 
for people to think more about those three things and hopefully make some improvements. And we're certainly not after perfection. Um, you know, it's, it's progress, not perfection, because, you know, not everyone can pledge to not fly for a year or, or turn vegan or that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't need everyone to do those extreme things. It just needs, well, almost everyone to just do a bit better to improve a bit. But to me, the, the fourth pillar is the most important, which is to speak out. Um, and yeah, the more I've looked into this, the more frustrated I've got with the emphasis being on individuals to to improve, um, because often we're the people who have already made some improvements and, and we're the people who care. Um, and actually, you know, there's a huge, well, the, 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 the richest 1% in the world create double the uh, CO2 emissions of, of the of the bottom 50 of the bottom 50 percent you know so you know there are certain areas where the improvements could be much bigger and obviously governments and corporations can do so much for example you know our government still subsidizes fossil fuels and is still opening up you know new sorry you got me started um yeah, new yeah, gas and coal fields <laughs> yeah so so that that could have far bigger impact on the than i don't know you washing up your hummus pots and making sure you um your shoelaces get recycled um you know it's still worth doing i think but that's kind of irrelevant to compared to what could happen so i'm much more into you know speaking out uh it might be lobbying brands or, or within running it might be lobbying lobbying some of the, the clothing and footwear brands or or even races um which, which can have a surprisingly big footprint um um and and i would say yeah getting I, I think getting involved in protests and, and, and campaigns is, is is more significant, more important, more worthwhile. Um, but that's kind of the fourth pillar of, of Green Runners. Um, we haven't really got that off the ground yet, if I'm honest, but um, that that's the bit that excites me the most. Um, but yeah, anyone's welcome. I've forgotten what it costs. It's just two or three quid um, to, uh, yeah, to get your badge, which you can sort of sew on any of your kit. And yeah, you just need to make minimum of one pledge on one of those four things. Um, it might even simply be to yeah to talk to your friends more about it, or or you know eat less meat in a in a in, a, in an average week. Um, the spreading awareness element I think is is really big. So um, yeah, and we've been overwhelmed really with both signups. We've got hundreds of signups, and and also I suppose companies and brands wanting to work with us. But that's far more complicated, and we're sort of maybe holding off a bit there to start with because um, yeah, that's more compromising and complex, and we don't necessarily need. Um, any of those, any of those, yeah, got to be, got to be careful what I say, but yeah, um, and and yeah, these things aren't just my decision. There's a, there's, there's a larger group of us, but um, yeah, hopefully that was. Um, yeah, I guess that that can get complicated in terms of working with brands and the extent to which one might be perceived as greenwashing to pick words carefully. I guess. <laughs> um, <but laughs> yeah. Yeah, so see, I, I think I think at the moment is to yeah, sort of a hands keeper, keeper, keep an arm's distance. Um, um, but there are lots of things we could do. But yeah, yeah, don't get me started on greenwashing. So yeah, when I put this latest book together, um, the clothing and uh, yeah, I've looked a lot at food and I've looked a lot at travel and races. Um, but what depressed me by far the most was was yeah, the clothing and footwear industries. Um, and, and I suppose how much, yeah, how much bullshit, how much greenwashing goes on, you know, banging on about having a bit of mushroom or algae or sugarcane in a shoe um, when that company might be, you know, trying to double their profits overall. Um, I appreciate capitalism is, is a prevailing 
system and and businesses need to apparently need to make more and more money all the time uh but you know that is killing our planet so you know that that can't you know don't wanna, uh get too radical or too, too much into areas where i don't you know i'm not an economist but um you know it, it can't we can't really carry on what we're doing it overall this is a consumption of sorry a, a crisis of overconsumption um creating too much stuff creating desire for all that stuff and, and then then wait and then often just wasting a lot of waste and, and that's a huge cycle that's happening that's um just terrible just terrible for, for well for everyone except you know a few people at the top of these companies so um yeah sorry i did warn you got me started no, great and it does it does bring us to to the title of your latest book which is we can't run away from this um which is the notion that you're you're kind of touching on there really um your last book was about about the Pennine Way um, and your SKT there and the sort of highs and lows and all the custard that went into it. And this one does take a, a different tact. Um, I think I've, I've seen you write about the fact that if you were looking for that, then this one isn't isn't making <laughs> joy. Um, and in your very sort of like like standard underselling yourself fashion. Um, but what will people? What are the what are the big takeaways from this book? What will people learn from it? Do you think? It, it does align quite a lot with with what the green runners are doing. So it, it is from a personal point of view, it's those three. If someone is interested in improving their own footprint, it is those three things. It's your kit. Um, really, it's it's fairly irrelevant. Is that true? It's not irrelevant, but the most important thing with kit is, I suppose, to to buy less, make it last longer, be really careful how you dispose of it if it needs disposing of at the end um so it's yeah less unfortunately less is more but then hopefully we can all get in the habit of sort of celebrating kit that has lasted and and, and maybe repairing it and and um you know the stories that come with our kit i really like that angle um and yeah companies have got to improve their their so many of them are horrendous um I, yeah i'll be here all day if i go into all of that but it's in the book um so it's yes yeah, your clothing and your kit secondarily your fueling um yeah, it's quite surprising. I mean, say the meat and meat and dairy industry is far worse for the world than aviation, for example, which it probably surprises or definitely surprised me when I first heard it. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, as a planet, we're going to have we have to have beef is just by far the worst thing. And, and lamb is second. We, You know, as a planet, we, we've just got to have less of that. Um, if you can, yeah, reduce, you know, even milk is, is pretty bad too. cheese, um, you know, milk and dairy, if we if we can all just reduce that a bit. Um, and the third one is, yeah, your travel to races. And yeah, I used to fly around Europe, uh, you know, a handful of times a year doing doing races. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm quite honest about that in the book. I didn't really understand the harm. Uh, and I appreciate also that I've done most of the big races I wanted to do. So it's so I'm trying, hopefully I'm not too preachy sort of saying no one else should be flying. You know, uh, I never, never come to that point. Um, and I haven't thrown, flown for three years, but I can't promise that I'll never fly again. I don't think that's, I think I probably will fly again, but when I do, it's going to be something that's really important, you know, that I'll really value that hopefully I, you know, staying longer is seen as a fairly valid thing, you know, making more of a trip out of it. Um, I get into offsetting in the book. That's a big topic as well. You know, whether that's worthwhile. Um, but those are the three things, your kit, your fueling, your travel, your race travel. Um, and then the fourth thing is, yeah, yeah. How can you be, a little bit activist as as um i forget which book it is now I've got a big pile of books just there um but yeah some other some other authors have come up with the idea of yeah trying to make activism sound less daunting i suppose um and um 
but I think that that nudging for systemic change, which could just be, you know, emails to your MP, um, sounds a bit old fashioned and twee maybe, but I, I think it's a genuine, you know, other other climate scientists and, and political scientists see it as a genuine thing to do still, um, joining protests, that sort of thing. Um, or maybe it's working locally, you know, with a local race, trying to improve there if, you, if, you, if you're part of a running club that has a race on. Um, and I do see that a lot. But ultimately, that all sounded quite gloomy, but there is a lot of optimism in there, I think, because I see a lot of good things in the running world, especially the sort of trail running, trail running world, um, a lot of inspiring individuals. And I try and finish the book by sort of celebrating that as well and kind of saying actually running, you know, uh, isn't isn't the worst thing in the world and and is doing quite a lot of good as well so hopefully it's yeah hopefully it's not too much of a depressing read and even if it is i have sprinkled a few climate change jokes in there just to sort of um you know keep the keep the mood for my own sanity i think as much as anything are there any uh are there any tasters of the jokes or do people need to buy the book everyone (laughs) together um i think my favorite is something like um why why aren't hippopotamuses worried about climate change i don't know because they're still living in denial (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't expecting that much that much laughter thank you i think it's it's something like that it probably uh (laughs) shall we edit that out as the picture (laughs) (laughs) the the best bit of the book like Egyptian hippopotamuses or something. Yeah, well, thank you for laughing. It's very, very. I, quite, I like a good. I like a good punny joke. There we go. <laughs> you've sold it to me. <laughs> now I know you've also just come back from um, Tour de Gion, which is an epic three hundred thirty, three hundred thirty-ish kilometer race um, with two hundred to. 24,000 metres of vertical gain through the Alps. Um, and you finished really strongly there, despite, should we call it a little sort of off-piste? <laughs> yes, a little wrong term, yes. <laughs> um, and I just I was wondering, I, I'll just think it back um, to what we've just been discussing in a moment, but what was your experience of the race and how does it compare to your past efforts and achievements? Because it, fir- it was your first time at Tour de Gion, am I right? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely loved it and just really keen to go back. I, I've already already emailed them to see if they'll take me back next year. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. So the format is is kind of like the spine race in that it's a multi-day race, but a single stage race. So the clock is always ticking if you want to do well. You're not going to sleep much at all. Um, but but unlike the Pennines, which you know have their own unique charm, um, <laughs> this is in the Italian Alps, which are just huge, and you know it goes quite high in altitude, um, and just yeah, up and down big lumps all the time. It's um, but then also wonderful people. The the sort of valleys really embrace it and and. When you come to these refugios, that was my favourite thing was the the mountain huts and and yeah the people there just ring this big rack of bells you know when they see you ten minutes away they'll just start ringing these bells to welcome you in um, and yeah my favourite memories are usually in the refugios sitting there having having pasta and Italian tea um, and yeah I just absolutely loved it and um, obviously you get very tired and um, yeah I was doing better I finished twelfth in the men's race I was I was maybe going to finish sort of fifth sixth seventh. Took a yeah, took a took a wrong turn near the end when I was very tired, um, which is yeah, pretty frustrating. Um, but now 
yeah, that's just part of the part of the adventure. And I had a brilliant time. You know, I'm I'm healthy. Um, I'm able to do these things. It was yeah, it was great. Can't wait to go back. That's awesome. I'm 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 so pleased for you. But also in terms of um, in terms of we can't run away from this. And I know that you're very open as well about sort of saying that you are also a hypocrite in terms of your own um, carbon footprint and things. So how did you tally going about how you sort of travelled and approached the race with um, with your own campaigning and values? Um, well, yeah, I mean, since I started looking into all this, I've, yeah, I've gone vegan, so I've been vegan for a couple of years. So that, that can cut an individual's footprint to uh, um, by as much as 74% in terms of their food. Um, I haven't flown for three years, um, like I say. So, I mean, I, I, it hadn't occurred to me that that for races in the Alps and a lot of Europe, you can get trains, you know, trains and buses. Um, a train will often be a quarter to a third of the footprint of, of a flight. Um, in this case, I did actually drive out, or at least a friend was driving, and the, but there were four of us in the vehicle. So in some cases, that will be the same as a train. It depends on the, the driving and the vehicle. Um, so that's about as good as you can do it, really. Um, I did go out there for a recce as well, and that was trains and buses. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the messages from the book, and this comes again from people like Mike Berners-Lee, who's the um, sort of preeminent academic on, on footprints, is, is sort of, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't sort of lock ourselves away and stop doing the things we love. Um, and we're not quite yet at that stage of the crisis where, yeah, we have to think, well, I can't ever travel anywhere again or race anywhere again. I mean, I've massively reduced my footprint over time. Um, anyone can go and see it on um, ourcarbon.com. They're a company who have audited me. So, um, and I guess I I, I, I try and um, take some ownership of the word hypocrite because, you know, uh, every day, you know, our, our clothes, our food, there's there's greenhouse gas emissions come from, from, from the production of them. So anyone who speaks or cares is apparently a hypocrite, but, but we just can't move for creating greenhouse gases. And that's not necessarily our fault. You know, if we, if we pluck the low hanging fruit, um, which are the three things I've mentioned, um, you know, I, to me, we've, we're doing our bit and, and, um, you know, we can't help but release some emissions and it's not, it's not necessarily fair that, um, you know, we should make all the sacrifices I think when, but I'm, I'm happy with, um, yeah, I'm happy with the sacrifices I've made and, and the reductions I've made. I think they're enough, if I'm honest. Um, and I don't think people should be too obsessed with, um, yeah, if someone flies five times a year, yeah, they could definitely improve. Uh, if if someone flies once a year, um, I'm not going to be, you know, um, looking down my nose at them or judging them too much. I don't think that's, that's horrendous. Um, you know, governments could be adding a frequent flyer tax, for example, um, or, or punishing, you know, punishing these airlines um for flying all their ghost flights which you know just there was more another more information on that out today which was just you know jaw dropping um, um you've got me started again today i don't know whether i want to after that but yeah yeah so um yeah so i'm okay with with my bit I, um some people won't some people will see will be fine with what i do some people might not but i don't 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 massively mind um, and and yeah, doing this book was exhausting and, and um, took a lot of effort. Um, is unlikely to make me any money, but it feels really important to sort of share what I've learned, I suppose. Um, so I feel like that's a contribution towards it all as well. Absolutely, and I know in terms of your um, your vegan diet as well, you work quite closely with um, is it Paul Booth, who's your 
Um, not yes and no. So, uh, Rini McGregor, sports dietitian Rini McGregor, is who I work most closely with. Paul Booth is a um, excellent runner and a, a coaching client of mine, and he came out and helped me on the Tour de Gion. Um, we don't, yeah, we have we don't necessarily work together in the long term on sort of my own nutrition. Yeah, I really enjoy um, Brené's writing, particularly about sort of like the female athlete triad um, and things. I think she's a really amazing advocate for for fueling your running um, and and tailoring things to your own physiology as well. Um, she's she's really incredible. Yeah, I'd really encourage anyone to follow her on Instagram because she really um, shares a lot of you know science based information on there and and really you know often obviously. Instagram and places like that are often quite a dangerous place for to get um, information or, or misinformation. Uh, but she, yeah, she keeps it very by the book. Um, and and also talking of books, yeah, her, her excellent book just here, "More Fuel You," um, only came out this year, which is an excellent read. It's um, yeah, she's really good at sort of getting the science and, and making it accessible and, and um, easy to di- digest. Pun not intended. Which you feature in as well as an example of a vegan athlete, don't you? Yeah. you yes, yeah, no, she, <laughs> yeah, she helped me. She was good at, um, good at sort of warning me of two or three things in advance. For you know, for example, you know, often the vegan diet isn't as satiating. You know, you're not not actually eating as many calories. You know, a, a veggie burger versus a beef burger, there aren't as many calories. So sometimes you sort of, um, yeah, you've got to be careful not to underfuel, really. But I mean, I love it because it's basically more snacks. Uh, so you sort of have dinner and you're still you're hungry again by half eight and I'm I'm down with that I just have more snacks it's great um yeah no she, she's helped me and then she encouraged me to sort of get blood tests um sometimes afterwards to sort of check um you know is there are there any deficiencies um you know are there any areas where I'm not getting not getting yeah certain vitamins or whatever so yeah she's been a great help um a great help to me and you're also um a huge champion of women in in endurance sports um in general and you've supported and been supported by some of the true greats such as um sort of Beth Pascal, Sabrina Verge and Nikki Spinks, um the ma- macaroon stealer I think she called <laughs> um and um I was speaking with Zoe Rome um on the last episode of the podcast oh. kind of around this um and I was wondering what your thoughts are um regarding accessibility and sort of equity and diversity in trail running um both for women and for underrepresented groups um just kind of your general thoughts on that and and what you think can be done about it as well oh gosh yes great question i mean yeah unfortunately when you look at the the sort of demographic of most races yeah the most it's usually sort of 20 percent female um and then I guess the big question is, you know, what, what, why aren't more women doing this this sport when actually they, they seem to often be better at it than men, um, which is yeah another massive debate. Um, but yeah, I see it time and time and again, um, women being more more impressive in various ways than than men in this stuff. Um, and yeah, I realised a lot of my friends, you know, yeah, Beth Pascal, uh, Nikki Spinks, Jasmine Paris, you know, it was actually um, I was more inspired by. By many of them than than um than a lot of male athletes um so i think they're a lot more likely to quit quit and whinge and um big themselves up and then yeah um it's quite interesting um but yeah um well it i mean some races yeah there, there is a real barrier to entry some you know some there isn't um 
that is a huge debate. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the diversity issue as well. And yeah, uh, Sabrina Pace Humphreys, one of the co-founders of Black Trail Runners, is, a, is, is both a friend and um, got her brilliant book down here somewhere as well. Um, a friend and someone I coach sometimes. Um, and in fact, we grew up in the same... Uh, well, she grew up in Stroud. I went to school in Stroud around the same time, but our lives were so different. You know, it's it's. If you read her book, it's um, which is called uh, Black Sheep. Um, yeah, it's quite upsetting thinking I was there at the same time, and my life was yeah so much smoother, so much easier than hers. Um, um, and I yeah really admire what Black Trail Runners are, are trying to do. Well, are doing, are doing. Um, so yeah, especially if you see the start line, you know, the classic UTMB start line. Um, I mean, there's sort of a reason why you might see more more men than women there because, yeah, the men are going to charge off. Um, but, yeah, it's a very white, very, very white um, sort of demographic, um, which is a shame. And, and yeah, I didn't until I heard the Black Showrunners talking about what they see as barriers to them. I hadn't considered some of those, uh, I'll be honest. Um, as to what we do about it, um, I mean, I, I, I trust what, Black trail runners, they've done some research and, and they're chatting with race directors. Um, I, I, you know, I trust them to know to know more about it than me. I, I, I suppose, uh, you know, climate breakdown has become my thing that I understand, you know, I've sort of researched more and, and bang on about more. I certainly care about um, equality with diversity and, and gender a, a lot, but but there are definitely other people. Sophie Power is the one sort of leading with um, She Races, which is sort of campaign to, yeah, for greater gender equality on, on start lines. Um, yeah, impressed with what she's doing. Um, yeah, I, it, it, I support those. I support what the, those amazing people are doing. I, I suppose the climate breakdown stuff is, is more my thing for now. Um, but I mean, a lot of it does tie in, um, you know, climate. I mean, the climate breakdown stuff is linked to colonialism and racism as well, unfortunately. Um and also, yeah, and also sort of gender inequality, especially in third world countries. Um, um, so, it, yeah, they're, they're in a way, they're not isolated things. They're, they are connected. Um, I don't know, what do, what do you what do you think about racism and, and what, um, you know, should they, should races be doing more or, or, or I, 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 I guess I, I haven't totally, but I like, I haven't totally made my mind up on, you know, some I think there's no barrier, and then I guess some there are. Sometimes it's financial barriers as well, I suppose. Yeah, I think financial um, barriers is one thing, and I think as as you think, I'm I can obviously speak from the position of um, of my experience being a woman, but can't speak from the experience of being a black woman. And a lot of mm. that is also about, as you're saying, with the climate emergency, actually listening and learning when to shut up when other people. Uh, voicing their experience of it and I think we need to do a lot more of that and hearing the suggestions that they have with things um I know also that that trail running in itself yeah we've got um sort of diversity and accessibility issues because of because of people being able to go and train places with accessibility to green spaces which is a privileged position <laughs> anyway um and it's kind of like and we, we've got to have those conversations and break down how we can make people feel comfortable and supported. Um, and a lot of that is just, you know, getting people around the table in order to do that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, we're having the discussion. That's that's something, isn't it? And, and that's partly because of um, she races and black runners raising 
raising awareness. And yeah, I hadn't considered I hadn't considered some some of the things that both of them have said. Um, I feel like hopefully things are changing. Um, and I think again, like with the cl- climate breakdown stuff, you you hope you hope trail running or running or, or running in Britain can lead can lead the way. I suppose. Um, but yeah, ongoing, ongoing. I suppose. Um, I've just got a few final questions for you, Damien. Um, so the first one, if John Kelly and yourself were in a band, which one would it be? <laughs> I don't know if we've ever really discussed music. Um, would it be Oasis? Maybe it'd be Oasis, yeah. I guess we'd be, we'd, we'd be the Gallagher Brothers. Awesome. <laughs> um, what has been your biggest personal achievement to date? Oh, in running. Could be anything, really. Oh, well, uh, may. Oh, what a question! I don't. Well, maybe it's doing this book. I don't know. I'm not a sciencey. I don't really have a sciencey background. I didn't really engage with science at school, Um, and that's maybe why this book was so exhausting and so time-consuming for me because I, I had to be sure that it was, you know, that I was, you know, that it was scientifically accurate. Um um maybe it's this book i don't know maybe i've only said that because i've just glanced sideways and seen the book um but maybe it's maybe it's that that feels like one of the most important contributions i i can make at the moment anyway so yeah maybe it's that what about your greatest challenge and that might be the same answer Uh, why not i mean i used to when i did when i got into ultra running i straight away just thought this is for me you know it didn't feel of course, these things are still difficult, but it just felt I love this stuff. You know, it, um, but what I realized is my biggest fear at the time was probably public speaking. But inevitably, of course, as I got better and better, I was invited to do some public speaking. Um, and I think overcoming that is one of my bigger um, has been one of my bigger challenges, actually. I still don't love it, but I don't I'm OK doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And what about recommended reading? You've mentioned a few a few books, a few little snippets of things. What would be maybe your top three recommendations? Oh, cripes. Yeah. Um, Rena McGregor's More Fuel You. Um, I think I haven't read it all yet, but Sabrina Verge's new book. Um, what's it called? Is it called It's a Hill? Where, where there's, um, where there's a... Oh, the it's definitely got the word hill in it. If people search that. Um, they're definitely both worth a read. Uh, yes, uh, Sabrina Pace Humphrey's book, Black Sheep, I think. There you go. That's three. That's three that are all out this year. Um, yeah, all female authors as well. Uh, admittedly, they're all all friends as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's why I'm saying it. But, yeah, those three, I recommend them. My next one is shout out to inspiring individuals. Um, I feel greatly inspired by... Um, yeah, I suppose other runners that have, have managed to bring in ethics into their running, certainly Claire Gallagher in the United States, Killian Jornet, um, Jasmine Paris, Jim Mann, Dan Lawson, uh, they inspire me the most. So people have managed to use their running to yeah, in entwine with with ethics of I suppose of, of climate breakdown. Um yeah, because it's not it's not easy to sort of speak out, I think, and 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 um necessarily it's getting easier but yeah they were some of the pioneers so yeah they inspire me a lot yeah i think those those are amazing amazing ones and people mm. really living their values as well which, mm. is, which is great so what is next for damien hall spine race um i've got i've got various promotional things to do with the book which is um 
yeah, I'm just blown away when people are interested, to be honest. Um, so that's that's very nice that people seem interested in it. Um, um, and then, yeah, I've got to go to Kendall Mountain Festival in November, which is always great fun. Um, and, yeah, Spine Race in January. In January, Back on the, the Pen and Way. Get the another out for that. <laughs> and my final question is: What does joy mean to you? Oh, uh, running, <laughs> running, and my kids. I think, yeah, if I can, if I can do a good run and spend a good amount of time with my kids in a day, that's um, that's a good day. That's got some joy. Yes, that's and plenty of tea. That's lovely. What did what just sorry to side question. What do the kids actually think about your running? <laughs> um, yeah, they're mostly pretty disinterested. Um my son's quite into the kit actually. Uh he's getting quite into like survival bushcraft and stuff. So he's eight. Um so he's got quite into the kit as in like a mini compass or a mini penknife. He actually finds that quite exciting. So we um yeah so like he is interested in my spine race kit because you have to carry a ridiculous amount of things there um but yeah in terms of they never you know i suppose naively when i was a new parent i thought oh they'll be so impressed when i come back and i've run 100 miles like they're, they're not they're not at all um they're just like right whatever um so actually they're brilliant for bringing you back to earth you know um it doesn't matter to them they just know you were away i suppose um so it is great it is great for that, um, you know. Even if you, I don't know, yeah, set a set a set a record, you come home, they treat you just the same. So it's, um, yeah, it's really good. No, I get that with the kids at school. They're just the kind of the eye rolls with the yeah, we we know you run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and if people want to uh, follow you on social media or anything that you want to direct people to, where can they where can they see that? I will put links in the show notes. Um. I, I probably like Instagram most, uh, and I think I'm just ultra underscore demo. Um, and I suppose I could mention um, if you buy my new book, which is out in a week or two, we can't run away from this. If you buy it from Adventure Books, I think it's adventurebooks.co.uk, which is the vertebrate publishing website, they get more money. They're a wonderful little company. Uh, they get more money rather than, say, Amazon if you if you go straight to Adventure Books. Um, uh, so anyone considering that, um, much appreciated. Thank you. No, that's that's super. And yes, don't just listen to this and 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 the jokes that have already already come. Like I've given away the best bit of the book. Books and Damien's uh, first book um, in it for the long run as well, because that was um, that's a really super read as well. If you're if you're more on the custard side of <laughs> side of things, but this, <laughs> um, this is a really important one. So I will I'll put that but thank, thank you so much Jamie you're such a delight I really enjoyed our conversation um and I can't wait to follow your dot again um in January when you're <laughs> crawling through the bogs um and to and to see where the green runners goes from here as well because we we definitely can't run away from this so thank you. Thank you ever so much. And uh, yeah, thank you for your excellent questions and, and helping promote the book and uh, and for joining the Green Runners. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. 
If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.